0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hope Lafferty's Existential Crisis. That's me, Hope Lafferty, with the podcast for creativity and other phenomena. Today, the creativity comes out of Radio Dresden, another podcast on the Marfa Channel. It's a piece I call Negotiation.
1: So what do you say, Prius? Can we?
2: Repeat number, Craigson.
1: Six. Six of us.
2: Prius comfortably seats four passengers.
1: But we can squeeze in.
2: Prius uncomfortably seats five passengers.
1: We can sit on each other's laps.
2: Prius has no laps.
1: No, Prius. Our laps.
2: Prius comfortably seats four.
1: Come on, man. You're killing me. And now you're locking me out.
2: Prius has honor.
1: Honor now.
2: Laws to abide.
1: (laughs) Whose side are you on?
2: Any children? Prius comfortably seats two adults and three children, totaling five passengers.
1: No children, Prius. Five women plus me.
2: American women?
1: Yes, American women.
2: If women were Japanese, Prius could comfortably fit five passengers, perhaps even six.
1: Japanese women.
2: Any immigrant women, Craigson? Except Swedes. Swedes? Too boxy.
1: Come on, Prius. I've got five very drunk American women who desperately need rides home.
2: Mad respect, Craigson. So let me in. Five very drunk American women
1: plus me, designated driver.
2: Plus Craigson. Six passengers. Prius comfortably seats four passengers. Uncomfortably seats five.
1: You sound like a broken record.
2: Prius is not broken. Prius has honor.
1: You got that right. Ladies, looks like we're calling Uber.
0: Welcome to your future. Uh, smart technology. Okay, well, that was uh, that was the first play that I have written, and it uh, came out of my work with Renee Calarco in her course, uh, playwriting from the gut. And lucky us, you know, uh, I'll be talking to Renee in a few episodes, so uh, you'll have to uh, tune in then. Stay tuned. Come, I don't. What do we do here? <laughs> but you want to hear about Renee's existential crises too, because you know. Um, we, well, playwrights, you know, what can we do? Uh, But this piece actually originated from a conversation that I had in a bar in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Bowling Green, Kentucky. I need to make sure I get that pronunciation right. Um, We weren't talking about cars so much. Uh, I remember we were having a discussion of of Black Mirror, which is a TV show, uh, Netflix show that is, that's kind of, existential in nature Um, and someone in the group had a Prius so we were talking about that a little bit but when I sat down to write I played out the idea of smart technology in my mind or at least that's that's kind of how I analyzed it later I don't I often I really I don't go in with themes when I sit down to write um, if I want to write anything specific Um, I don't even go in with a plot I'm more fascinated with characters so I build out the character based on the dialogue because I mean this is how I form impressions of people by what they say to me, right? I mean this is this is how I understand people is through conversations. So, um, you know, I had this Captain Obvious moment after we read the play in class that you know, of course, my first play would be about a person talking to his car, and for those of you that don't know, I'm I'm a driver. <laughs> I I adore road trips. Road trips are my favorite type of relaxation. I just like to drive. I live in—I don't know. Let's just say the outskirts. <laughs> and I remember once I was at a networking event, and I admitted that my car was my oldest relationship. So I—I I really shouldn't be surprised that, of course, the first play that I would write would be about about a person in their car, because um, basically it's all I think about. But. I do I do think that this is kind of how technology uh and you know our our longest relationships maybe <laughs> can turn around and and bite us in the butt And now another installment of this week in existence. I've had it. I've had it, people. I have had it with instant messages, partially because I don't know what they're called anymore. I mean, it's not called instant messaging, or maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) What do you call it when you get a message, a text on your phone that can come through your texts or come through Facebook messaging. I mean, it's uh, nobody IM'd me, but they IM'd me. Okay. And I hope, I hope that you don't have experience with these types of texts. It's the ones that come in from a good friend, someone you're close to typically before or after business hours. So they come in Kind of when you're not expecting them. I mean, do we ever expect texts? But And they lead with, did you hear about so-and-so? And so-and-so is a mutual friend. Did you hear about so-and-so? I mean, this can't be good. I got the first one of these messages about four months ago. And I've gotten one every six or eight weeks since. Did you hear about so-and-so? Folks, three very important people in my life recently killed themselves. Um, they weren't immediate family, so I wasn't going to get a phone call. But they were more than a step up from me just kind of randomly finding out. I mean, people notified me. Did you hear about so-and-so? And we are close enough friends that we had mutual friends. I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, yeah... So I got my first text on my trip back from my semester sabbatical on the East Coast. Um, I was driving back to Texas from D.C. after, I mean, just an amazing period of discovery. I mean, part of the existential crisis that I'm in right now is that I'm changing. I'm changing careers. um, And I went to D.C. to really start. Amping up my study of acting. I was imagining myself being a TV actor. I really love TV. Um, But I came back realizing that, number one, I'm more of a classical actor. Interesting. I reawakened my inner clown. That'll be another podcast at some point, I'm sure. And I finally embraced the idea that I'm a playwright. Of all the writing that I've done, playwriting is it. All right, so the last week in D.C., I was studying Neutral Mask with Dodie DeSanto at the Center for Movement Theater. And if you haven't yet studied with Dodie, study with Dodie. Seek her out. Bring her to your town. Work with her. She's unbelievable. But I studied Neutral Mask, and I just had my ass kicked in the best way. I just reawakened all these dormant affinities. And so my drive back to Texas was kind of this triumphant hero's return Oh, and I'm in Plano after two days of drive. I'm in Plano in a Hampton, Hampton Inn. It's my first night in Texas after four months. And it was like this hypomanic drive out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, and my legs were so swollen from dehydration and stasis and just like propelling myself down the highway. Um, and I woke in Plano uh, to a text from my friend from Bowling, Bowling Green. Kentucky, that the man that I was seeing in graduate school was in a coma all week um, after a motorcycle crash, and he died the night before. Now, now I'd not seen this man in, let's just say, a long time, but he was that one. Not the one that got away. He was the one that I ditched for somebody else (laughs) for no good reason, right? I mean, except that what, we were at different developmental stages? I mean, I was finishing graduate school when he was 19, right? So I, oh yeah, and I was I was engaged to somebody else at the time. Um, <clears throat> but I was explaining this, like he is the one that put the significant in significant other. And he was the one that kind of taught me the breadth and depth of what our heart is capable of. I mean, <laughs> good and bad, all of it. The passionate, the duplicitous, the self-serving, the un- Effing shakeable. you know. I love the guy. I I demonized the guy. I I I missed him for decades. I mean, we didn't we didn't see each other, but he was the first one that helped me recognize me, recognize me. He was the mirror to my shadow self, shall we say? Is the crap that they write movies about not soulmate crap? Just just the potency, that Kama Sutra-esque definition of why people get together. But I, I needed something else at that point. You know, I, I needed something, I guess, more family-friendly um, that will probably show up in another episode. But so I read the text from my friend about the news that my ex was dead. And we can debate about the suicide thing. I mean, motorcycle crashes, it felt like a suicide to me just because it was so abrupt but I didn't know what to do I read the text and I'm alone in this Hampton Inn and I immediately wanted to post something to Facebook I mean you know uh, I, I, I stopped myself I, uh, but yeah you know, I didn't want to call my husband because I had a full day's drive in front of me, and I didn't want him to be concerned about where my head was at, especially day three of the drive. I mean, it's the home stretch stuff. I mean, he knows, he knew that this man was important to my early life, and he'd be sympathetic, but that news could wait. And I'd already heard from the one friend that knew both of us. And he wasn't any longer in my life, this man, despite our history. So there was nobody to tell. I was kind of the end of the line. You know, so I sat in these Hilton fresh sheets, in this king-sized bed, in this suite that I did not need for a quick overnight stay, just processing. You know, when I was in graduate school, this man, he gave me hell one night because I was, I wanted to process something that happened between us. And he looked at me unimpressed by my, my clinical distance. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean, Talk. Oh, yeah. Talk. <laughs> mm. And at this hotel in Plano, I was—I felt like I was staring karma in the face, right? We often don't know what our next lives are going to be, if we even believe in that. But in light of all the insights that I had the week before, the months before, but especially that last week, I mean, that was a big week for me. A big week, big existential week for me. <laughs> I mean, this sounds ridiculous. Big week for me. I mean, what about he's in a coma, big week for him. Jeez. You think you're special, kid? Take it back to zero. Well, the second I am, for lack of a text, or lack of a word, um, came from an actor buddy of mine not long after, barely a couple of months. Did you hear about so-and-so? And this was about my primary acting instructor up in D.C. He was a year younger than me. I didn't ask for specifics, but this guy was dead by his own hand, as my friend put it. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was one of those instructors that, you know, when they say after class you want to go get a beer, you go. Sometimes just he and I went, sometimes we went with other people. But I, you know, I studied with him the entire time, the four months that I was there. He grew up in the same neighborhood that I went to graduate school in. So we had that Chicago thing in common. Uh He just, we had the same taste in headshots. He helped me, you know, see, you know, pick out which headshot I was going to use. We have the same opinion of musical theater. He is completely responsible for me gaining any appreciation for Shakespeare. And he was the one that hit me to the study of neutral mask. And honestly, he was the one that prompted me to drop my middle initial. I mean, after our final auditions class, he said to me, okay, don't use the J Really? I've been signing my name that way since I was ten. Yeah, it sounds like you're hiding something. I had been Hope J Lafferty, well I mean my whole life, really, and the grander meaning of dropping the middle initial is a topic for a, a different podcast, but this man on all levels helped me redefine myself as an actor and a playwright and a professional. I mean changing your name is a pretty significant influence. I haven't changed my name for any of my husbands. And I was really looking forward to keeping in touch with this guy, you know, as I grew into my new career. So much for those expectations. My response to my actor friend who bestowed the news on me, I said, well, brother, we better get busy. the last crappy text, I mean, come on universe, let this be the last, it came in last week. Did you hear about so and so? I'm getting used to these by now. This one came after supper, so I was already sitting down. <laughs> uh, s- no. What was my response? Like I'm mad. <laughs> I'm already mad. I already know what the what the punchline is. The freaking punch in the gut line. <sighs> yep. Crap. That was the text. Crap. For my latest friends. Crap. In the context of my two other friends. Just. Crap. And further crap, this was one that I could tell my husband and he actually knew the guy. Knew the guy. I and mean, we've been friends since 2003. And my husband was not sitting when I told him. He just stood there. Didn't move. Processing. Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief were coursing through all the muscles on his face. And this man actually lived in D.C. I mean, all those weird can Anyway, (laughs) I didn't get a chance to call him during the four months that I was up there. I didn't take the time to get together. I was focused on my next career. The people that were in my old career kind of took a back seat. But the last time we saw each other was right after he moved to D.C. about a year ago. And um, it was fun and comfortable and reflective of just like how relationships mature when you've known someone across workplaces or across relationships or across cities. I mean, he was a friend that we wanted in our lives. He was that type of friend that it didn't matter where you live, you were always happy to get together. And kind of living in different cities almost makes the connection that much more special. You go out of your way to hear the latest, and he just kept showing up. We kept showing up for each other. So it's a, it's a sad, it's a, it's a really shared sadness that's in my house these days. You know, we're only putting together the the pain that accompanies depression, you know, the, the physical pain. You know, when I was a clinician, we used to hear these litanies of symptoms, physical symptoms from our patients diagnosed with major depression. As, and we'd write them in their chart, you know, somatic complaints, somatic, like psychosomatic, like it's all in your head, honey. Well, perhaps it is. You know, where are all the nerve endings ending, but the brain, right? And But I know all three of these men had some kind of physical pain, long-term, long-term physical pain, that whether it was accompanied with depression or not accompanied with depression, I mean, we cannot tell, but they all employed very different ways to cope, cannabis, alcohol, nicotine, physical training, yoga, elimination diets, they probably had some acupuncture thrown in, probably some Western medicine too, who knows, all to kill the pain, that pain of existence the pain that followed them around it, it encased them debilitated them all three brilliant funny <laughs> you know what makes me the most mad these guys were voters Yeah, voters, they participated in the political process. They cared about issues. They were citizens. So in the last four months, we needed these guys the most, and we lost three of our most necessary components to start to fix, at least on the ground, for what is happening with our democracy. In the last couple of years, I've heard a lot of my friends threaten to move to Canada or not come back from international vacations. None of them. None of them have followed through on their promise, but these guys, they didn't threaten a thing. This crap came out of the blue. You know, they say women attempt to... They, they say women... They say women attempt suicide more often. But men actually commit suicide more. And honestly, I'd rather have my women friends leave the country than have any more of my peers off themselves. Well, at least then I'd have some place to visit, right? But the other thing that makes me mad about losing these guys, they danced. <laughs> All of them. Not studied. Well, my, my acting teacher, he t- took ballet, but, you know, they just allowed themselves to let loose to music and move their bodies to just have fun because not every man is that free, that comfortable with themselves. To quote, what, Emma, Emma Goldman if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution Well, nuts These guys were who we needed These dancers These voters Brilliant minds Sensitive souls f revolutionaries So I'm sad, man I'm mad I'm all five stages of Kubler-Ross's grief paradigm so R.I.P. Rick R.I.P. George RIP Paul. Thanks for the impact. Now we better get busy. <laughs> wow. Oh man, what an episode Huge thanks To Gabrielle Rule And Jonathan Fields Of Dresden Collective A rural voice for New Theater Based in Marfa, Texas And as always Thanks to our engineer and composer Andy Schneider Founder of the Marfa Channel The good folks here at Alamito And of course Everybody out there listening Love to hear from you Tweet me at the hope crisis. And before we close out, this week's closing mantra is more of a closing kriya, a series of actions, hug your people, hug all your people, expand your definition of your people, listen to your people process with your people, or just talk and then give them another hug. As always, Look after yourselves.